Bandwidth for the Weird Things podcast provided by Wired Tree. For sites of any size and world-class customer service, head on over to wiredtree.com. Welcome to the Weird Things Podcast. I'm Andrew Main, joined by my co-host, Bryce Castillo. Hello, of course I'm here, as always. And Justin Robert Young. Yep, just like, uh, just like it always is. Exactly. Just the three of us. Just me, the... Andrew, and Bryce. Bryce. Just the three Gentlemen, musketigos. There are certain things that tell you you might be in the future. One of them is that you're accused of a crime and you appear before a council. Okay. <laughs> okay, yeah. Uh, the the unitard unisuit, you know, that's another thing. That's sort of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, paying for things in credits. You know, how, how many credits do you got there? Oh, I guess so many credits. Or like a body augmentation, like you swipe part of your hand. I, I would say, I would say uh, asymmetrical but expansive haircuts. <laughs> like there's, yeah. there's a lot of hair sticking out from one side. Right. Yeah, uh, laughing at how the quaint way they did things back in previous the the current decade that you're most relevant to. Yeah, sure. calling Metallica classical music. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. Uh, I have uh, I have another one to add there. Uh, when you're in a high speed chase, you're being pursued by a flying vehicle that's not a helicopter. Oh yeah, no, there's definitely some kind of. Uh, I think opening craft. a Star Trek, the the, the 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 new Star Trek movie, the Abrams Star Trek. Uh huh. What was the uh, Kirk pursued by? Were they little speeders? Uh, cop on a hover bike. Cop on a yeah, hover cop bike. on a hover bike, right? Wow. Cops on hover bikes. Hmm. This is where we do. And we go to today's headline. Are you ready for this? Yeah. Hover bike riding police to patrol the streets of Dubai from 16 feet above the ground. Wow. Okay. So the idea of hover technology isn't necessarily something that we have seen to be totally impossible. What we have seen is that uh, whenever we've seen any kind of hover technology, it has usually been one of two things. Either it is like a magnetic kind of solution, right? That requires something that's very, very loud. I guess loud is, is going to happen no matter what. So, but it's either like like that hoverboard thing that everybody freaked out about for five seconds or it's basically just taking the the, the, the drone technology that, that has continued to explode but continue to put more and more weight on it, right? Like th- those are the two things that we – that when, when we see hover – that that's what it means. I like Wait, the way you it. just dismiss drone. You know the, the 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 use of electrical propulsion. You know as you know eh, this thing, this thing that's common no, no, thing. You I know, just, I'm, I'm just trying we've to quantify that since all I was miracles. My my twenties. <laughs> he says. All right, all right, all right. I mean, let's, no, no, all, all miracles to be sure, but but just so we can we can contextualize it. <laughs> well, and and like, is. What is the benefit that you get out of hovering is it 16 feet off the ground? I mean, I guess you you can get a better eye, but fly over other cars. Yeah, yeah, I get. Okay, yeah, that's a good. Point. I just like like I'll read when I go to like a SpaceX thread, you'll see somebody like the reusable rocket. You know, I'll be really impressed when they move to an electric one. 
know, <laughs> I'm really impressed when this happened. Just, man, you know, it's just drone. It's just drone tech. Yeah, no, I, 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 all right, enough. I, I'm not, you, you don't get to, to you know, just uh, put in my, uh, uh, read into my tone of voice. I did not mean it as, as anything dismissive. I was, I was trying, this is what I get for trying to fill the Brian role. <laughs> uh, spoiler alert. This is what happens. This is the, the canonical weird thing structure is Andrew says something, Brian tries to scientifically explain it. And then I come in with some pun on the name and we rinse and repeat. Now I'm trying to fill in the Brian role poorly and and uh, try to deconstruct and explain something and i'm just getting ripped apart because normally my lot in life is to wait until it's like hover more like smothered and covered at waffle house lol moving on <laughs> anyway no i'm not this is not to say anything about uh, uh that this is not an absolute modern miracle yes uh, hover bikes in dubai is an amazing thing uh it is really great uh, uh, that's, that's period new sentence. It's probably one of these two technologies that we have been around. Okay. Not developing. And not this anti-gravity thing you've been hoping for. Well, hey, listen, man, you never know these days. All of a sudden some anti-gravity thing is going to be farting around on Kickstarter tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, let's take a look at this. They released a promo video for this. Close-up shots. Oh, it's smaller than I thought it would be. Guy gets on it. Basically, it's a motorcycle with a big quad oh, crap. Oh my god, that's amazing. Wow. <laughs> it looks like one of those jet moto bikes. Y'all one of those video game hover bikes. And just so you know, just for context, roll it back a little bit to see the other vehicles in the D Dubai police force yeah, fleet. Right. Uh, we've got the uh, uh, the Mercedes. We got a Lamborghini. All their police cars there. <laughs> I, I think yeah, that's a Rolls Royce on the left. Yeah, that looks like maybe a Hummer. I, lo I love that 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 the the. Uh the Dubai police force doubles as like a big timers video from 99. Like it's just <laughs> nothing but hot cars in the back as their, as their hover bike lands in front of it. So the hover bike, uh, you know, we only, we, this is the one we've seen before. Like this Russian company was testing out. You saw it in a warehouse. We saw it floating for, it looked like a minute. We don't know how long it really flies for. Mm -hmm. We don't know how much control it has. And what's interesting is, so it has, Front rotors, back rotors, and then the uh, the the rotors overlap. Like one's like a couple inches above the other one, so they can be closer into to get to, to each other. Mm -hmm. So, kind yeah, of very interesting. It's surprisingly compact, and I guess uh, by having them overlap like that, it can be in not this huge square, you know, structure. It can actually have just the rectangular basic form, yeah, yeah, of of what you would consider like a motorcycle. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, I'm not worried yet about this particular one. I mean, it looks cool. And, you know, if you're the Dubai police force and you got the budget to spend on that, it's kind of cool. But I think a couple years from now, you know, we won't be laughing. <laughs> well, uh, this this article we won't from... be going, oh, cool. When one pulls us over, we're like, oh, man, the uh, cops, the hover cops. Exactly. Uh, Bryce, th this will be the next ticket you get, like the one you got last week for speeding, <laughs> except it'll be, uh, be, be a hover for, bike for trailing you on too fast on my hover bike. 
no, no, no. You'll just you'll be in. No, yeah, you will still be in your Honda or whatever. But but they they will be trailing you on the on the hover bike. God, yeah, no, like, I, guys, guys. They, I like, saw a hover bike. It was really cool. Oh, do you know a good ticket clinic? Anyhow, it was really amazing. <laughs> yeah, came it, out of nowhere, landed on top of my roof. I was gonna say they'll just <laughs> land on top of your car, so you don't go anywhere. Uh, well, remember, I I mean, my bit of future shock was a couple weeks ago or a month or so ago when we talked about. You know, the, the footage of the guy escaping, the trying to escape the cops as the shark followed him, and it was taken from a drone. Yeah, they were like, that's right. Oh, they're using drones to track people now, you know, like local police. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I think no matter the, the technical marvel that that bike is, I think, safe to say, a little extravagant for a, for a police force, right? Like, uh, where, where can you even safely land that thing? I mean, I it's small enough and thin enough where you would think you could on any open space. stretch. Yeah. yeah, it looks like a bit of parking space. And I mean, if you've looked at Dubai, I mean, just look at what the city looks like. I mean, it needs flying motorcycles. <laughs> it's just, uh, I mean, I'm sure that was how they justified it. We need it. Oddly enough, it is in a sense that the, how they sort of their you know, United Arab Emirates, they've talked about their own Mars 2100 project, and you know they've just actually just launched their own space program, um, you know, their own sort of projects for doing that. So they're trying to be very, very future forward. Yeah. So, so uh, did you guys feel something a few weeks ago? Did you feel like, whoa, what was that? Oh, ooh, ooh, what was something going on? Like emotionally? Yeah, maybe, like within our, maybe. the root of our soul? Maybe, maybe kind of a gravitational wave sort of thing. Uh, maybe, maybe I, I, I don't uh, uh, a gravitational wave. Yeah, you know, I, I don't know uh, if I, if I would have described it as that uh, then, but but now that you say it, the gravitational wave kind of sounds like what I was feeling. Yeah. What when was it? It was last week, last- August seventeenth, actually. August seventeenth. Joe, that's oh man, it's even like more ago. so. Wow, I'm yeah. glad you said that because I was definitely feeling like August seventeenth. There was like a gravitational wave situation happening. I know. I looked over to the guy next to me. I was like, "Did you, is your gravity messed up? Because I feel like maybe." I had like a little glitch in my gla- my gravity, but uh, it sounds like maybe other people were having this. Well, gentlemen, it turns out that that's the case. See, what happened was, uh, you know, we've got these big uh, gravity wave detectors, which are effectively like big, long laser rays, et cetera, whatever. They look for disturbances on a big cosmic sort of level, anything to try to detect gravity waves. And they've been able to detect like when black holes sort of like get attracted and swirl into each other. Now we picked up what we think were two neutron stars, something like 130 million light years away, merging together and creating a bit of a neutron excitement. And we picked this up on multiple gravity wave detectors. And this is the first time we picked up something that wasn't a black hole. And to give you an example, these things, these neutron stars are about maybe one and a half times the size of our sun, but 10 miles across. Wait, 10 one and a half times the mass of our sun. Compressed oh, into okay. Something. Oh, sorry, oh, sorry. I, I think you said size initially, but yeah, no, the mass. Oh, wow. so, it, so it is yeah. intensely dense. So a couple of these, couple of these uh, jokers were uh, swirling around each other, and Jen just sort of had a collision, and then sent out an intense amount of explosion called a kilonova, and gravitational waves. They say towards the Earth, but actually kind of went everywhere. Uh, and so they picked these things up around different places because we had multiple gravitational wave sensors. We're able to sort of triangulate what part of the sky it came from and narrow it down. So, and this was kept under wraps for a while as they were trying to get confirmation on it from all these different, uh, 
space agencies and groups that were detecting it. And now we've got a really cool, you know, example of, you know, observing incredibly massive stellar phenomenon. But again, so, like 130 million light years, that's like another galaxy. It's insane. How, how often does something like this happen? How, how rare of an event is this? You know, we'll find out because, you know, we've only been getting these arrays just up and running the last couple of years. So they're, they're in, in refining them. So that's a very, very new technology. And so, We'll start to see the frequency which these things happen, how far out, et cetera, what have you. Kind of a big stellar explosion. So the stuff, all of like the heavier elements, gold, you know, et cetera, that we have, these were created in explosions like this. Um, because what happens is that these things form in the core of stars. These these heavier elements, these denser elements form in the cores of stars, but they're released when they think when these explode. So you get a couple of neutron stars colliding and they have an explosion, then you're gonna have dim dare gold out there. So Oh my God! No, and this looks amazing, uh, Bryce. Where where are you going to for this this graphic? Would uh, you... This is from uh, I believe this is a NASA rendering on an on an NPR story about this jets and debris from a neutron star collision. We'll have a link in the show notes. Yeah, no, it looks uh, look like a like a screensaver, or you know something like it. Just looks amazing. Like one of those fractal animations. It looks great. Yeah. Yeah, that's a crazy thing to think about it because, like, these things, when they start spinning around each other, that's pretty probably pretty close to what the speed at which they were spinning. Um, and then the, the ejecta was probably like a third the speed of light as far as it getting, you know, you know emitted. Uh, just incredible. And that's it's a real thing. It's a real thing. I mean, it happened, you know, 130 million years ago, but hey, it's still a thing. And we're just seeing it now. Oh, yeah. I mean, I guess I, I keep forgetting about the, I mean, I guess the speed of light. Uh, d because we were able to observe it now at this distance, it happened an incredible amount of time ago. Mm -hmm. uh, or did it, Bryce? Depending upon your view of relativity. Dun, dun, dun. So, what else? What else does this tell us about uh, 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 astrological bodies? Is, is astronomical bodies? Astronomical. Bodies. Uh, so, what it tells us one is that previously we, the large the things we small things we detected were black holes. Now we're getting to neutron stars. Um, Everything that moves through space that has mass gives off gravitational waves. The trouble is that they're so minute. We can't detect Jupiter, for example, because, you know, it's just the, the instruments just aren't sophisticated enough. But over time, we might be able to get more and more precise and detect smaller level events to the point that at which we might be able to do a gravitational wave map, et cetera, of different objects out there it, detecting things as they move through space, giving off these waves. No, I was visiting uh, Saturday my friends at UC Santa Barbara, and one of the projects they're working on is, is very cool. What they're doing is this isn't gravitational waves, but, you know, the cosmic background radiation map of the universe. Mm -hmm. It's the it's this sort of it shows sort of the background, like at the kind of the earliest part of the universe, sort of like kind of that bubble of, of energy. Right. Mm -hmm. And what they're working on is a telescope system that's going to be sent to Greenland that will do a foreground map. So that way you can take that foreground information and subtract it. And so you can get a better idea of what the background is, which gives you sort of the further out you look, remember, because of speed of light, the earlier the universe you're looking at. And the furthest out things you're seeing are sort of the earliest parts of the universe. Greatly expanded. Wow. So, it's a lot of huh. cool stuff. You know what else is cool? Well, hey, what else is cool, man? This, this show, I think it's cool. Do you think it's cool? Do you think this show is cool? What, what? I think a lot of people uh, would, would think that this is a show for which they enjoy every single week. That this is a consistent program, brings you the kind of analysis, 
and uh, insight that makes you a richer human being in spirit. So you would like to then become a poorer human being by finances, <laughs> by supporting this show. You're not really giving up the money. You're just transferring it into enrichment that you can count on each and every week if you go to patreon.com slash weird things. Yeah, man, and you can get a... Uh Early access to our sister show, After Things, all about being a creative professional. You can get that early, uh, a day or two early before it goes out publicly. And you can get that via your own special RSS feed. So uh, head on over to patreon.com slash weird things and uh, support the show. Gentlemen. Yes. We've talked a bit more about a bit about the Hyperloop, which, you know, I think we're all cautiously skeptic, cheering it on, but very skeptical of, you know, you know, it's, it's a big, big project, big, big, big thing to try to do there. But mm. it's a big world. A lot of different people wanting to do things like Dubai, et cetera, all that. And uh, remember Hyperloop, Hyperloop One, one of the companies we talked about? Well, now, which one, which one were, what was it, right? There, there's a bunch of these Hyperloop companies uh, uh, kicking around, right? And, and and only one of them is actually got Elon Musk's direct involvement, right? He's not directly with any of them, okay. to my knowledge. Okay. I may be mistaken that, but he's he's sort of cheering them all on. Um, so Hyperloop 1, I believe that's the one that I visited in uh, downtown L.A., uh, but it's no longer Hyperloop One. No longer Hyperloop One. Oh no! Wait, what? hold on. Wait, hold on. It's uh, it's, it it's just it's not happening. Like they folded, or they turned into a Denny's, or what happened? It's Virgin Hyperloop One. What? Ooh, Hyperloop One and Virgin Group develop strategic partnership. Yep, Richard oh. Branson uh, has come on board to bring in fan financing to Hyperloop One. So now it's going to be Virgin Hyperloop One. Richard Branson wants to help Hyperloop One bring its technology to realization. And so they are now, uh, you know, rebranded. So, so let me ask you, a, let me, let me, let me, let me ask you a question, Andrew, because, mm -hmm. uh, we, we covered this on daily tech news show. And my immediate thought, aside from just being excited that people are putting money into new ideas for mass transit is, is, is Richard Branson's involvement in, the you know, speculative travel, a good or a bad thing. And, and on one hand, obviously this guy, uh, he started a, uh, a airline when nobody thought that he could. Uh, yeah. And then on the other end, you know, when, when, when's that next Virgin Galactic, uh, flight gonna, gonna take off, you know? Well, uh, he's not an thing? engineer, you know, so he's not an engineer. So we don't, I, I don't, I wouldn't hold the success or the, the delays that have afflicted uh, Virgin Galactic, you know, from that point of view to his involvement as much as just, it's really, really hard. It's a really, really challenging problem to solve. And I would say that one of the things that Branson has been good, this is a guy, this is a guy that's created a, you know, uh, an amazing international airline, a really cool domestic airline, which, which now was got bought by, I think, bought by Alaska Airlines. Um, he's created some amazing brands. And one of the things that he has is that Branson brings with him a, a the ability to sort of reach people at high places. You know, Branson's a guy that can get you in the door in places that otherwise, uh, if you're trying to do something like Virgin, you know, Virgin Hyperloop, and you want to meet with, you know, you want to get the top meeting with the people in Dubai, you want to get the top meeting with some of the people that can make this thing happen then you're probably better off with somebody like Branson involved than not, in my opinion. And I guess the one thing that is interesting here is that, uh, you know, uh, the Virgin trains are, are a big thing out in the UK. And, 
you know, he was, uh, I think one of the, one of the quotes there is, you know, London to Scotland in 45 minutes. And that's, uh, that's something that for a, an already uh, established mass train transit, uh, you know, people who are used to that and already have put money and resources into it, then maybe that's something that, that, uh, stands a little bit more of a chance than it would out in the States here, which I think we, we all agree that, that we're excited to see the technology go where it goes. But, uh, the reason why we might be a little bit bearish out here in, in the States is that these kinds of public works projects are very often kind of doomed before they begin. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's not a great track record of, uh, at least recently of, of train technology advancing very far in the States. Right. Well, yeah, and part of it is just it's so expensive. You know, it, it's very expensive to, and and it only becomes more expensive when you are trying to figure out where you're going to put it and whose land it's going to be on and how much it's going to cost to take that land and whether or not you're going to have to use eminent domain, which means you have to have involvement with the government, which means you have to you know make it worth their while to do it. So uh, there's there's just a lot there, and and not to say that you wouldn't run into those problems if you were to do it in the UK, but you know I do think that things would be. Uh, you know, at least there, there's a little bit of a difference uh, in, in terms of uh, how much, A, there would be a built-in uh, consumer base. You know, as of right now, you know, when Ash and I went back and forth last year from London to Edinburgh, it was a full train back and forth, mm. you know? It's hard to change the world. It's hard to change the world. And I had a, I had a conversation last week with, uh, you know, a friend who's a, a venture capitalist who's, been involved in some of the things we've talked about and he has a lot of skepticism towards some of the things that I'm extremely enthusiastic about. And, and I would think that his skepticism is warranted to, you know, on, certainly warranted all these things, but then also it's like, you know, particularly like Elon Musk, et cetera. But the other hand, it's, it's like, this was somebody who'd backed, you know, one of Musk's ventures and I'm like, yeah, but you know, this is, you know, in talking about these crazy things, Hyperloop one, you know, Hyperloop being a, a Musk sort of a Musk idea is a crazy idea. And then, hey, you know, PayPal banking transactions, kind of a crazy idea that Elon Musk and a couple others had and worked together on made. And that happened. And then creating an electric car company, a, a creating a just a new American car company, a very yeah. crazy idea. And to be as successful as it is so far is kind of amazing to want to create a new rocket an engine in America that hadn't been done in like 30 years, a very crazy idea to be able to land a rocket or, you know, the, the base of the rocket, the first stage of a rocket back on the launch pad, a very crazy idea. And I don't know at what point I go, well, that's too crazy. <laughs> well, you know, we're, where would you guys had your bets, right? We we've got, we, we just, we're looking at the hyperloop news today. Uh, we also saw drones, personal drone transportation. Uh, we've heard Elon Musk talk about the Boring Company, which would connect underground tunnels with, uh, uh, you know, uh, pedestrian roads. Uh, uh, what are what are the other Earth to Earth SpaceX tra transit? Like, what would you had your bet on, say, in the next twenty and in the next one hundred years? So, and that's a great way to frame it, Bryce. Is time frames? And I think that sometimes we'll get into well, myself and somebody else is sometimes on this show. We'll get into these disagreements because we don't explain what time frame we're talking about first. Sure. Um, yeah. And, you know, Hyperloop, like, what's the chances that 
there's a Hyperloop route in Dubai or China, or they try it there for several miles connecting things and putting passengers through it. I say really high. I, I now I'm kind of more convinced that yeah, I think there's enough there's enough interest in this thing to happen that it's not waiting for smart people to want to do it. I don't know if it'll be the current players that are trying to do it, but I think that's very high that we will see an effort at a hyperloop within to carry people the next ten years. I think that's likelihood. Wow. Uh, human carrying drones. Uh, I think that's possible. The problem is. I've had this discussion with somebody who was just ripping into the boring company, like, oh, tunnels, that's not the way to do it. It's going to be all, you know, flying cars, flying cars. I'm like, ever heard like one Harley go down the street? Ever listen to a drone? Like, what do you think is going to happen if you try to take all of LA, you know, 5% of LA traffic and put it into flying vehicles? What will that yeah. sound be like? Yeah. <laughs> you know, spoiler alert, it's not going to be the Jetsons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's, and it, that was the person hadn't even thought about that because they're thinking, like, oh, I'd love to fly in one. Like, yeah, great. How about you and 100,000 other people, you know, at the same time? And I think that not to say there won't be corridors and things where that could be super useful, but it's not, hey, I'm just going to go to the end of the block hop, or go into my roof and hop into my drone and fly somewhere. I don't know. Not the current noisy way that it works eventually. Uh, but I think that we're going to see humans flying in these electric vehicles sooner than later. We've already got several companies that are at the point now where they're – building them out. So how that will work, uh, I don't, I think there'll be a market for it. Um, that's my take on that. As far as point to point, you know, on earth for carrying people commercially, I would be surprised if we saw that in 10 years, I would be surprised. Cause I think that one is, is we'll do a, I'll talk a little about SpaceX, what Elon Musk revealed in an AMA this weekend, we can make some SpaceX predictions, but I, I think that we'll see point to point travel, but the logistics of you know, hey, we want to la launch a rocket that's more powerful than the Saturn V, you know, three miles out from your port and land it somewhere else. It's going to take some time to get used to it. Yeah. You know, I, I almost wonder whether or not that just also makes, uh, you know, a, a Canaveral and just that whole space coast. If if that's if that's our first place that we want to launch Earth to Earth rockets from. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we'll see. Uh, but you know, I, I think these things, they, 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 once we, once it looks like it's about to happen, they take longer than we expect. And then once they happen, you're sort of like, wow, how did that happen so quickly? Yeah. If that makes any sense at all. Uh, so Elon Musk did an AMA this week and asked me anything on Reddit. And he talked all about the BFR, which stands for the big Falcon rocket. The big Falcon rocket is his Next step for SpaceX, it's a booster, a large booster, which you, we've seen land before, but this thing would be colossal, and a spaceship that sits on top of it. And with the BFR, the goal is develop a rocket that, as Bryce pointed out, you could put people on it, launch from New York, land and have the uh, the spaceship part land in Tokyo, you know, 35 minutes later, and basically allow you point-to-point -point travel just about anywhere in the world in around a half hour and definitely under an hour. But the main goal of this is to service, is going to Mars and servicing uh, satellites, et cetera, putting things into orbit. What they decided to do is let's build sort of a kind of a 747 of rockets, a thing that can serve a lot of different purposes instead of trying to build a bunch of different architectures, which has been the way we've done things before and why things get very costly, build one general purpose platform. And you might have different shapes, like they might build a different tanker sized, you know, for the upper stage eventually, et cetera. But to build sort of a solid workhorse rocket that's fully reusable. And he hopped into Reddit to 
answer some questions. Somebody asked me, did I ask any questions? I'm like, the quality of questions that were asked far exceeded anything I could imagine to ask. <laughs> so uh, I decided wisely not to dumb it down with my own dumb, you know, comments. So he got into some of the specifics about this, about the, uh, uh, you know, the particulars of what they're trying to go for, some of the mechanics of it. Uh, why did they reduce the thrust of the rocket? And, you know, his responses, you know, that, you know, it was kind of trying to scale out. back the overall <laughs> size of it. It's still pretty effective. Yeah. Putting internet around Mars. You know, let me see if I can find something that might be a little less technical. Um, well, he talked about the roadmap for what they want to do, which is kind of exciting. And so what they want to do is you've got two different parts. You've got the booster and you've got the spaceship. And he said what they're going to try to do is uh, first they're going to be testing like uh, remember how we watched the grasshopper was that the the test platform that they test the engines that then became the Falcon 9R, the reusable. And they're going to build a test platform, something like that first to test, you know, the the basic part of the spaceship and then the basic part of the the booster. We're going to see that. And then we're going to see the spaceship section do, let's say he's talked about a hundred kilometer, like a hundred kilometer lateral hop. So it'd be going like a hundred kilometers laterally, whatever, just to try to go back you know, travel that distance. And this is something we could see in the next couple of years. We could very soon be talking about like, oh, cool, we had a demonstration today of this thing that looked really awesome. And then building up to the point that they they said that, he said that describe the way the spaceship would work is that it's not going to have like tanks inside of a structure and then the uh, thermal tiles mounted to that. So we'll probably test, we're going to test this thing without the thermal tiles, but not go orbital velocity because that would, you know, it'd burn up. And then once we've tested that, then we're going to basically stick the thermal tiles to the tank. So basically what the rocket is the tank with a bunch of tiles attached to it. Huh. So he got into the specifics of kind of how their, their, their roadmap for that, which got me thinking about like some predictions, some predictions to make of things we might see, some kind of cool, hey, here's something cool, guys, check this out that he might do. One of which, which I think we may see early on, is a mock-up of the spaceship full-sized interior, et cetera, for the purposes of one of them figuring out how to utilize that space, how to utilize it for cargo, how to utilize it for people, for the different configurations, and also a really cool showpiece. And that could be something they might build near the Hawthorne factory, is to actually build, hey, this is what the entire upper stage of this thing's gonna look like, but it's not just, and you could drive by and see, hey, there's a spaceship, and it's like, it won't, it'll be a prop, but, a useful one. They did that with the Dragon crew capsule. They built, you know, a replica of what that thing was going to be like. So you could see the interiors, you could figure out how everything worked. So I think that will be a first big milestone. And I think that'll help people visualize what's going on. I think that's also, you know, I think you were, you were very, very uh, prescient to say uh, that it is, it is a prop, but it's a useful one that if you are Elon Musk and you are looking to not only capture, you know, the, the uh, uh, attention, but, you know, passions of, uh, you know, the, the, the nation, if not the world, but a lot of people that are going to be looking to take advantage of this kind of stuff, then it's another reason for, you know, 60 minutes to come out. If you have this gigantic, yeah. amazing prop that you can show, this is what frees us from earth, right? Like this is literally what we're going to be on. That was literally the example I used last night was 60 minutes. When I was talking to my buddy, Peter, <laughs> Peter, I said, yeah, we have 60 minutes, show them around it. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's enough for them. It's like uh, that as the visual and an interview with Elon Musk, who's proven himself to be, you know, probably the most adept at doing press. I mean, uh, is is there a uh, in a post Steve Jobs world like 
who is the the tech uh, uh, leader that is in, in, in anywhere in the league of of Elon Musk in terms of being able to balance that level of like, all right, here's interesting, sound biteable quotes, uh, uh, forward future excitement plus engineering bona fides that don't leave people totally hanging. Right. I mean, yeah. like he's pretty much in a class of his own. Yeah. I think, I think another prediction. So I think we'll see, I think perhaps a reveal of a mock-up for that purpose. Another thought too, is you start thinking like, what do they need? Not like what would be cool, but what will they need? Now, if you've got this spaceship that's landing on Mars and the first two are supposed to be totally unmanned, that means you've got to unload your cargo down, you know, something like a hundred feet uh, or whatever the distance is from the, 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 or not, however the uh, 60 feet or I forget the distance from the cargo doors to the ground. So what we may see is another mock-up located in a Mars yard, a Mars yard like JPL has and there are other places have them, which is a replica of Mars where you test out equipment for that. So I could see SpaceX taking over a piece of a desert, either here in Nevada or McGregor, what have you, building probably more likely closer to here because I think a lot of the, a lot of that sort of structure is going to be done here, building a replica. And it might just be a platform. It might just be a bunch of scaffolds and stuff, building a replica of what the interior would be like and figuring out how will your automated cranes work? How will you lower stuff down off of this thing? How will you move your cargo out of the way without people to do that? And which pred- assumes that we're probably going to have some sort of, I think, think we're going to see a SpaceX sort of vehicle rover with arms you know a robot vehicle that's capable of doing things that's almost a given you're going to need something like that and so i think we're going to see hey this is our replica of mars this is where this this is how things will land and this is how we're going to try to figure out how to get our equipment out because they've got to send out rovers and stuff to go look for ice to try to figure out if they can actually produce fuel on mars they've got to do a lot of things outside of that spaceship without people doing it so i think they're going to have a whole hey this is how we're going to get our payloads out this is how things are going to work so i think they're going to probably start building a mars yard very very soon and Wow. Okay. So, so, uh, uh, the, the initial prop, what, what was your prediction time-wise on that? I could see within a year, we might start seeing a, a, within a year, I think we might see a spaceship, you know, platform, like a, a mock-up spaceship that's, you know, for figuring out how they're going to, I think if they, fi- if they finalize the interior size of the spaceship part of the BFS, the big Falcon spaceship, I would think within a year, we'll probably see construction or unveiling or partially of something along those lines for that. I think we're also going to start seeing probably within a year or two, I think we're going to start seeing a rudimentary Mars yard for figuring out how, you know, and, and the construction of a mock-up of a spaceship there for figuring out uh, cranes and, cr- and getting things in and out of there. Because now you could be doing some of this inside, you know, it could be done, you know, you could build this inside of a larger, you know, you know, there are some very large facilities to hangar space and things like that, that too could be acquired. So, but you might want to just for just spread out dirt, whatever you might just end up getting a kind of a patch of desert and do that. So I think that we're going to see a mock-up spaceship. I think we're going to get a Mars yard with a mock-up spaceship for just doing the cargo sort of unloading, et cetera. Uh, Figuring a mock-up Mars base. We'll call it a Mars base. How much bigger does SpaceX need to get as a company to do all this? Because because this is like them moving into like they're not just building rockets anymore, which is its own gigantic uh, mission. They keep in mind that they have 
they have the facilities of Hawthorne. They own a lot more buildings around there than 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 we're aware of. They got like something like six to eight thousand employees already. They're getting a facility near the port, near the near the water, near Los Angeles. So what they're going to do is probably build the engines and the bigger some of the stuff at the Hawthorne factory. But he said now that hey. We're going to be doing the major assembly in another building by the water so that we can put it on a barge and ship it to Canaveral, et cetera. Um, so we don't because they looked at the cost. It was going to be like two million dollars to do what they did to move the space shuttle around, which was funny because like there was this commentary like, oh, they won't be able to move it around. I'm like, yeah. And we, our argument was, like, yeah, you can. We've done it before. It's two million dollars to do it, which isn't a lot. But SpaceX like, you know what? If we just buy a building for assembly. We need that closer to the water. We don't have to spend that two million dollars per rocket. So. That's the current plan is they're going to have – so they're going to have a facility there. There's a couple possible locations where this may be, and that might be where they do the other stuff too, where they might build the mock-up of the exterior too. So I think that we have an idea where it could be. So I think that's going to be a step that we're going to see. And then major milestones are going to be you know, when the first time we wa- – uh, then another thing we're, I think we're going to need is a giant barge. You've got that booster, right? So you've got that booster, which ideally would land back on the pad, but uh, the spaceship may want to land somewhere else or for doing some of these hops where you're trying to cover these, go 100 kilometers. What's got to land from one point and land somewhere else. So either you're going to build another pad somewhere or if you want to test it over the ocean because it's safer and not fly over civilians, then what we may have is possibly a giant barge a much, much bigger barge for landing the thing. So I think that may be something we hear about as a giant barge. Also, if you watch the renderings, they show this thing launching for what appears to be a big barge. Uh, that's going to be interesting. Um, once you have a fixed idea of, let's say, if you're doing point-to-point, you could actually probably buy like those oil derricks, something like that, because those things move. Um, something oh, to that right. effect. So either a barge or a platform, a sea platform, and that's challenging. Um, barge is better, I think, because you still got a good thing back and forth. And then you're going to get, uh, you know, a big milestone is going to be watching the spaceship by itself. They'll be able to do test hops with that thing. Uh, and then scaling up to doing, you know, if, if they can do their unmanned cargo mission in 2022, that's going to be exciting. That'll be a very, very exciting launch. So I'm saying there's a bunch of milestones every year or so they could do either from here's where the rocket is. Hey, look at our spaceship mock-up. Isn't this really cool? Hey, we've got our Mars yard. This is really awesome. Come see this to we're going to go do a test of this, of all the engines, et cetera. God damn. I mean, that's, that's just a, a, it's, it's crazy to look at those milestones and also realize how much each one of them kind of takes the vision and and expands it right and and everything yeah. that we have known as ambitious which i think by any accounts was and 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 this is a, a podcast that was very excited about spacex from you know a very early early phase uh now it's like all right well we have proven that to be sound now let's move on and now let's deal with all these logistical issues of like actually landing on Mars and not just conceptually, not just in terms of approving budget for it. Like this actually has to happen. Oh my God, this is nuts. It's an exciting time. And you know, I don't, I don't know when, at what point to say, oh, they're reaching too far. And, and, and Musk and Shotwell, who's president of SpaceX have tried to reiterate the point. Like we want to be the train company, you know, like, like, you know, we're, we're, we don't have massive plans for Mars city or this. We're not, 
we're not building the train to go there and then we're going to build, you know, we're not we're not going to, you know, complete the Union Rail and then build San Francisco, you know. Yeah. You know, we're we're going to get you there. And I, I think another thing I think they might do, though, is that if I if I were them and again, I'm not um, clearly <laughs> uh, is possibly do a annual conference like a big, you know, SpaceX, the SpaceX slash Mars conference in conjunction with whoever you want to sort of get academics and industrialists and people together and say, this is our plan for this. If you want to do cargo, if you want to do scientific missions, these are the modules we're going to do. This is the capabilities we're going to have. You know, we can offload a container that's, you know, a five by five container with whatever payloads you want. It's $10 million, et cetera. Start planning that and getting people on board to understand, you know, kind of like a comdex for space or something. And this you, getting you people on board for that. that. That's something that they've thought of. No, number one, that's just de rigor out here in San Francisco for any tech company. Like the idea that you, you, you no longer wait for, and this is for, for, you know, uh, online storage. It's not like, uh, uh, box.com and Dropbox and, and, uh, Google and everybody else waits for storage fest, you know, like they all do their own little mini conferences because they all want to be uh, talking to vendors about their service in particular. And considering how frustrated Musk has kind of gotten with, uh, some of a, the reception and B the kind of Q and a at his talks at other conferences, it would not shock me in the next year or two if if SpaceX con was a thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, and the key is to you you want to make sure that it's a bunch of it's the academics and industry people you want and not fanboys like myself. You know, you want to make sure that it's it's that, but I think that that's a a again, I think you could do several parts. I mean, there's ways to. I think that I think that we may see something like that. I think that probably logistically it'll be put together by some other very experienced organization and putting these sort of things together. But I think the purpose of this is one, you want to have sort of like a fan just, Hey, we're fans of this. We want to go do something cool or whatever. Think of a Berkshire Hathaway kind of, you know, uh, annual shareholder meeting, but then you want to have a lot of real, Hey, if you're a company that's looking to do payloads and want to do payloads on this and some of their, if you're a university, you're an academic institution, we're going to be doing this and working really hard to try to get NASA as heavily involved as possible. Nobody's got more research. Nobody's got more data. Nobody's got more brain power that's tackled the problem of living on Mars and living in space than NASA. And, you know, that, that kind of expertise, if you're SpaceX, you want to pull in however you can. So that's, that's, I think those are some of my predictions. I think things we'll see a mock-up, a Mars yard, uh, conference or some sort of conference kind of thing, you know, done well, aimed to first. Um, I think that, uh, I think, well, I think the mock-up happens first. I think construction of the mock-up, I think, you know, Musk hinting at that. I think that if they nail down the location for where they're going to be building, trying to do assembly, et cetera, I think that's going to happen. And you can do that before you start t sending your engineers because they still got to build Falcon 9s. They still got to have engineers still finalizing the designs of that and other projects. But I think that if you're trying to what can you what problems can you solve now rather than later? What problems can you get out of the way before you start putting your engineers solving the bigger technical problems? Remember how Elon Musk unveiled the solar tiles once they showed those, you know, once they did the reveal for that? They went to Universal yeah. Studios, the back lot, and they stood in this you know, they stood in a crowd. And then they, you know, he said, all these houses have the tiles already, have the solar roofs on them, which was people like, oh, wow, because they didn't know. I could totally yeah. see very much a King Kong-like reveal where they could get a 
facility, a warehouse or something. I mean, I don't know if you even put this thing indoors because it's so huge. But, uh, you know, if, if it's going to be kind of obvious from anybody, you know, driving nearby, look what they're doing is I could see Musk just saying, you know, either, well, you know, he likes to do the dramatic reveal, but I think that we may get kind of a really cool reveal that we're going to do something really cool. And it's going to be, you know, the first, you know, the the prototype spaceship one or whatever yeah. they want to call it other than mock up. Well, one of the two, because one he'll unveil to the press and the other he'll bring out to Burning Man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Fly to Burning Man. Really turn it into Burning Man. <laughs> uh, gentlemen, let's jump into picks. Sure, man. Okay. Uh, I'll tell you what. Uh, somebody else go. I, I haven't thought of this. Uh, I've got a pick. Uh, I have. Oh, uh, I have been. Uh, I, I recommended a game. I think I recommended it here on on Weird Things uh, a few months ago, or maybe maybe it was somewhere else. But uh, they they came out with a sequel to it, and uh, I wanted to uh, talk about both of these games just a little bit because I think they're both interesting ways of storytelling. Uh, the original game was called A Lost Phone, and this new game is called Another Lost Phone. And they're super short uh, text. They're, they're not even really text adventures. They are narrative devices. So the idea is like you can play it on your phone uh, or on your computer, and you are playing through this interface of a phone. And you're going through this person's text messages and their emails and trying to uncover what happened to them and why, why their phone is lost and, and what is what the mystery behind these two different people are. And I think for just being a short game, like I think they're both about two hours or so, not, not even that, they, they really tell one good story each. You know, they, they really want to say, this is, this is a story about Laura and, and the other guy. Uh, and this is what happened to them. And the the way that it is set up sort of organically where you are just thrown into this uh, data archive of text messages and, and all sorts of uh, calendar events and stuff uh, is is surprisingly well-tuned in, in that you can kind of pick your, pick your direction with them, but uh, at the end of the day, you still get the story about this person and and I think the puzzle I think the puzzly elements are not too difficult that they would stand in anybody's way uh, but they they are just enough of a hurdle to kind of keep you invested um, so that's that's my pick a lost phone and another lost phone I got a pick you know uh, I'm sorry it's another one of my Video game picks. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. I've been playing Stranger this, Things game. Yeah, I've been playing the Stranger Things game when I'm, you know, uh, let's say in the smallest room in the place, um, and it's really fun. Have you played it yet? I have not. No, I I spent I only spent like a minute or so with it, but it seemed like a pretty simple, just tap around sort of fighting yeah it's game. like an old school nintendo kind of like zelda circa 1986 sort of game uh and it's very very much of the time so it's really it's totally free it's not even like pay for the extra it's a completely free game with a lot of different levels to it and you start off as the sheriff driving around or walking around 
going into the lab looking for clues and stuff. Um, very, very fun game. It's the ratings for it have been fantastic. Uh, it is just Netflix put this out just to sort of like say, hey, you know, don't forget we have this awesome TV show. Uh, Bonus XP was the I think the developer of it. A really, really, really fun game. I've enjoyed it. How long how long have you been playing it? Because it seems like it might be a pretty big game. Yeah, I've been playing. It's been pretty big so far. It's not a really, really quick, you know, I've probably played it. I'm not a, I'm not great at these games, so you know what what takes me you know hour a couple hours to finish. I've not finished it yet. I'm just like still in the earliest. I like I think I'm like eight percent through, and I've probably played played at least for a good forty five minutes or so. Mm-hmm. so. So like the little bit that I played was the very beginning where you're like tapping on guys to fight them. Is it a lot of that fighting thing, or is it more like puzzle solving adventure elements? It's it's adventure. You're getting you're you're getting key cards to go through things. You sometimes it starts to increase in in things. So the next character you encounter, like when you encounter other characters, you can switch to them. So then you become Lucas, mm-hmm. and then uh, uh, you know you become Lucas, and you can throw rocks in some of the things to get through. Like you might have to you know throw rocks at you know a, a keypad to get through there. Then you have things where you have to figure out like okay. How do I get through this other level here? You know, and you have to start doing a little more. The the puzzle solving starts to get progressively, you know, bigger and you know more challenging. Mm. And challenging. Um, cool. Is it is it available for Android? Yeah, I I've, I've found it from googling. Just look up yeah. Stranger Things the game. I have several picks. Um, my uh, one of my picks are. Hey, uh, you know how uh, uh, when you were watching Daredevil on Netflix and you're like, oh, man, some of this action is like really crisp and really cool and, and, and brutal on a on a on a really interesting, awesome level. And there's these like great set pieces that you just kind of uh, are, are, are stuck with and, and they really make you feel something. And then another one of my picks is, uh, you know, how cool Luke Cage was that it had this great authentic sort of black exploitation vibe with an overcast uh, uh villains and everything and that was really cool and then Jessica Jones you're like oh man I really do like the the dialogue in this it's really kind of snappy and and uh it's fun and I don't know if anybody liked anything about Iron Fist but those are my picks because I can't pick the defenders which I started watching this weekend oh really uh because man is it just like, you know, uh, all the same ingredients, none of the same cooking. Uh, I, 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 I'm only four episodes in, but it's like when you've already built, uh, four, you know, series on the idea that these guys are, are in New York and some of them already know who each other are. They all have a through line that knows all of them with the night nurse. And we still take four episodes until they're all in the same place at the same time. Really? Yeah. Oh my God. That's. And it's like, yeah, just a lot of, uh, a lot of stuff that I, I, I don't want to get into spoilers, but it, it just is really disappointing that it, it, it makes you for, for all the criticism that you can rightly give you know, the Avengers movies uh, and, and the praise that you can give to civil war. It's hard to take a lot of different threads and kind of weave them into one bigger thing. 
So I guess that's what I'll say is <laughs> it's really hard to do it. And defenders is the proof. Well, and I, I, I didn't love my, my downsides with some of the, the Marvel Netflix stuff has been that those seasons have been a little too long and they start to start to drag by the end. But I'm also seeing the event. The defenders is only eight episodes uh, uh, for the season, which. Oh, seems- wow. I didn't even realize that if they literally took half the season, like the, the end of the fourth episode, the last thing we saw mm-hmm. was all four defenders in an elevator for the first time. Yeah. Like the, That's the end of episode four, uh, the description for one of these episodes reads, uh, for episode four reads as the defenders get to know each other. Like what? <laughs> That's Oh no, no, no. You're right. You're right. Guys. You know, no, no. it's episode three, episode oh, three. Yeah. They do it, but they're not all together and they're still wow. like sniping back and forth, but not in any kind of cool like way or fun way. It's like, you know, they're, I don't know. They're just like, all right. So there's a scene. I don't want to get too into it, but Luke Cage and Iron Fist, uh, which by the way, watching the defenders makes me never want to watch Iron Fist. Um, and I have not seen it, nor do I plan on it. Uh, the night nurse brings them together and then the night nurse and iron fist spoiler territory. What was that? Spoiler town. So just, there's a conversation between iron fist and Luke cage and night nurse and the other sidekick are in the other room and they're kind of rolling their eyes about what tedious kind of conversation they're probably having in the other room. And they should, because they are. And you as an audience member are like, cool, no, you're right. This conversation is tedious and they're being dunderheaded and they're not getting anywhere. And it's like, all right, well, then where are we, folks? <laughs> like, if, if if that's where, it, like, all right, can, I guess plus one for being self-aware that these characters also find this situation kind of boring. Because, uh, I don't know. Uh, it was frustrating because I have like the, I have liked those shows, uh, and, and it was frustrating to, to get through. Well, that's a bummer. Uh, I, that's supposed to really be like the culmination of all this Netflix stuff for right now. Right. Is the defenders being the Avengers for Netflix. Yeah. I, I, but I, at the end of the day, also, I don't think they really needed to, like I, I would have almost liked, you know, a, a crossover or something that like, maybe they all by the end of the season get put into some situation. And then you do like a three episode little extended thing. Art. Like, I, I don't yeah. know that you needed the, the, the problem is, is it sort of comes down to the economics of it. And, and you're going to get, the same story, whether or not Netflix buys eight episodes or 12 episodes yeah. and trying to go in and do a three, a three episode run, which probably would have been smarter, like to do a three, the defenders in three episodes, you know, the three hour sort of defender sort of thing probably would have been the smartest way to have done it. But because, you know, the showrunners, you, you want to sell more episodes, you want to sell more shows and the network wants to get the most bang for their buck. And so you get that. And the problem is, is that your content is going to be stretched to fit that. And they're going to go like, okay, we'll put this in episode one and then we can get into drive into this story here. But is that the best way to tell a story? Is that really? And I, I would argue even, you know, you even saw that with, you know, when you're trying to do an Avengers two, like Avengers one had like four come to Jesus moments, you know, 
Mm-hmm. And then Avengers 2, we get that plus a farmhouse scene that's like, wow, like you just don't really want to go fight Ultron because <laughs> once you do yeah. that, it's, you know, it's sort of the same as the end of Avengers. People flying around, shooting these things and trying to stop the sky thing from happening and yada, 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 you know, and I think that's mm-hmm. kind of kind of the issue there. And I think that uh, I, you know, and they brought in that was it the showrunner for uh, Iron Fist did the Inhumans and the Inhumans is having problems. Right. Um, yeah. So I, I think it might be time for like, cause when I, I think I love daredevil season two, love daredevil. Thought that was really cool. Uh, it's a lot of people love Jessica Jones. I had trouble just getting into it. You know, I haven't seen Luke Cage yet, but I kind of got to this sort of, all right, you know, I'm, I'm sort of not ruling out that I'll never watch these things, but I just sort of got kind of past it. Yeah. Luke Cage. Uh, Anybody who's seen Luke Cage knows there's a point in Luke Cage where all of a sudden Luke Cage isn't as good, but, uh, uh, but there's some really good stuff there. And I think there's really, really good character work and there's, uh, they did a great job of kind of defining who Luke Cage was. And I think that that character meshed with that world really, really well. Uh, but it's just, you know, in, in, in this show, it's just like, (sighs) all right. There's a bunch of familiar things, but there's just nothing like, I, I don't know, maybe that that's it. Like Dare, Daredevil season two to me was just awesome. Like I just loved every little bit of it. And and, and the Punisher was great. And Electra was awesome. I, th- I thought like, I've never really been an Electra, an, an Electra fan, but her, her energy was just great. Yeah. And, and you could uh, uh, kind of sink your teeth into it in a way that there's really not much here, you know, uh, in, in the Defenders. You know, we're we're getting what, thankfully, we're starting to get. First, it's happened in theatrical, and and like Daredevil season two was cool because I remember thinking, like, man, even as a courtroom drama, I would watch this show, right? Yeah, because uh, it just it really started to hit its strength there. With film, you had Logan saying, "Let's do straight up." You know, this is the western. It really Logan was just like a straight off sort of western type movie. Uh, I think that you're. Did you see the trailer for the New Mutants? No, I have not. Bold, bold choice. I hope it plays out, but you know, we're getting some very it's 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 a horror movie. Really? Yep. Yep. It's straight up done. It's like a trilogy, like a horror trilogy. It's played up like they're these teens trapped in this place, you know, for whatever strange reasons and scary things are going on. Hmm. Uh which is could be could be great. So now my point is I think that like uh some of these things they need to sort of change up sort of what the approach they're doing because once it becomes formulaic we just we've seen it we're when we're on to the next thing so who knows gentlemen anything else no i think that's it it's been feared the diamond club hopes you have enjoyed this program